Allie Chipkin is a folk singer-songwriter based in upstate New York. Originally from Poughkeepsie, Allie studied musical theater at the Boston Conservatory at Berkeley. She went on to specialize in poetry at Skidmore College, where she began her professional songwriting career. Allie has released two solo records to positive critical acclaim, and her songs have been featured on radio stations across the U.S. Allie sang the national anthem for the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park, and her songs have received honorable mention in the Telluride Bluegrass Songwriters Competition. Allie also serves as the founder and CEO of Give Love Originals, a company that writes custom love songs for couples on their wedding days. Allie's lyrics are the jewels of her work. Listeners describe her words as poetic, quirky, and precise. Surprise! Walking down the street, you see something other than downcast eyes. Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where I challenge my guests to write a song in one week based on a random prompt, then sit down and talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting. I'm your host, David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce Allie Chipkin. Welcome to the show, Allie. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. The first thing that jumps out at me from your, your bio here is uh, that you started out in musical theater, and I'm curious, did you, did you write any stage musical pieces? I never have, actually. The reason that I started in musical theater was because I didn't actually believe I could write. Um, I I was a singer growing up, and I loved nothing more than singing. And I felt that I, yeah, I just, I didn't play an instrument, really. Like, I grew up playing the piano and clarinet, but I wasn't super proficient on either instrument. So I decided, okay, in musical theater, my voice, like, fits there. Um, stylistically, I can sing a bunch of different styles if I'm in musical theater and I don't have to write my own music. So it's perfect. That'll, that works for me. So that's kind of how I started in musical theater and chose that path. I always dreamed of like being a Sarah Bareilles or an Ingrid Michaelson. Like that was my true dream underneath it all, but I I didn't really believe that I could do that. Um, yeah. So, so then you, you ended up studying poetry was that i mean was that specifically because you wanted to become a songwriter or was it just because you just love poetry yeah so actually when i got to skidmore i was pretty adamant with myself that i i like wasn't gonna do any more music like i had been so musicked out by music school yeah i i mean i thought i would sing and i knew i I joined an acapella group and things like that but i was like i'm not gonna well first of all i'm not a songwriter i don't play an instrument Hmm. I'm not going to spend my time here at this liberal liberal arts school, um, like studying music because I've already done that and been there and like spent a lot of time, um, studying that. So I was pretty adamant, like I'm, I'm here to focus on becoming a better writer and like speaking Spanish and making like really cool, well-rounded friends and maybe studying abroad, things like that. Like I just wanted a broader education at Skidmore. Um, and yeah, so I didn't take any music classes. And then I I was an English major and I remember I had a really cool advisor and I went into his office and I was telling him about my vision for um, for my like focus within the English major and my like capstone project. And um, I was saying, you know, it's always been like a secret dream of mine to write music and I, I sing and I'm starting to play a little bit of guitar. Um, so, you know, I was thinking maybe I could do a capstone in poetry because 
you know, I have the musical background and then like I can work on the lyrical side of things by like studying poetry and maybe someday, I don't know, maybe not, I'll uh, fuse the two together and write a song. And he said, Ali, do you, do you want to write songs? And I was like, yeah, I, I think I do. And he was like, so do a songwriting capstone, make your own, do do that. And I was like, Oh no, 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 I can't. I don't, I don't write music. I don't know how, like, I, I don't really play an instrument. And he was like, you can do it. Yep. No, you can do it. <laughs> and I was like, all right. <laughs> so I kind of committed. I felt a little bit in over my head. Um, so I didn't actually end up doing like a poetry capstone, but I did take some poetry classes that were really helpful for me. And I ended up like kind of creating my own capstone project and project and working with um, one of the English professors who has written like books on female singer songwriters and um, just has like a really cool, his own kind of background in music. And he was really influential for me and really helpful. And, and, and that was when you decided to, 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 to become a professional singer songwriter and try to make a go of it. Well, kind of at the end of that process, because I, again, I didn't think I could write songs. I didn't think I could write music. So I was like, I will try this. I don't know if I want anyone to see the songs after they're mm -hmm. done. <laughs> like, I'll try it. I'll, I'm not against trying anything, but I, uh, yeah, I didn't know that I wanted it to be a public affair. <laughs> well, what was the, what was, what was the point at which it clicked to you that, you actually were pretty good or that you had something that was good enough to start bringing it to the public? That's a good question. I, I've always felt that if you believe in your musical taste and you like, like, I mean, everyone is biased and likes their own music, but I think if you have good taste in music and you have an awareness of, of musical taste, I feel like you can write a good song because you know, what you like and you know what you don't like. Um, actually, so I take that back. Maybe not everyone thinks they have great taste. They might just be like, oh, I'll listen to whatever, or, you know, I'll just, I don't really care. I don't know what I like. I like any kind of music, whatever. But if you have like a kind of curated like compass for like how, like you have a compass of, of what feels good and feels right for you musically, then it's easier to make those decisions and, and to reflect after you've written a song and be like, uh, I don't really like this. Or, you know what, this kind of sounds like some really good songwriters that I really like. And I, that was kind of my first project is, um, I know a couple other girls in the Boulder scene do this as well. And it's, I find it so awesome. Um, my mentor in college, Mark Woodworth, he recommended that I kind of do this songwriter study where I like take a specific artist and try to write a song in their style. So like I did Patti Smith was my song Honey and Knives. And that for me was like totally out of my comfort zone. But I listened back and I was like, that's kind of cool. And it kind of reminds me of something Patti Smith would write. And like, I, yeah, I just feel like I could recognize good songs. So when I wrote them, I there were definitely some I wasn't so proud of, but <laughs> I think there were a few in the beginning that really like would move me emotionally and move me to tears sometimes when I listened back and I was like, wow, that's a, that's powerful. And I, I felt something there. So, um, that, and then I, I did a final performance as part of my, and I made a record honey and knives as part oh, of my oh. senior capstone. That was like, 
the kind of fruition of the whole project. And, mm -hmm. um, and when that came out, I was like, well, I have songs now. Like, I guess I could start booking shows. I've always wanted to be a songwriter and like play my own shows and things like that. So I could do it. I wasn't great at guitar and it was like a kind of, uh, clumsy process at first like mm -hmm. my first year of shows it was just like all right I just need to get these under my belt and like do more and become better and eventually I'll get there so yeah you know I think trusting your own taste I, well I think there's two things that go into it I you know I, I occasionally you'll you'll hear people you know asking can anybody do music uh and right. and in my mind it's kind of it's pretty straightforward. Do you appreciate music? That's number one. Oh yeah. no, number one is do you do you know what music is? Can you can you actually hear music? Can you recognize what it is? I mean, there are some people out there that can't. Literally, they physically have some impairment or something that they're not able to hear tones or whatever. Right. Uh, but but most people do. So you mm -hmm. can you can recognize music when you hear it. Number two, do you appreciate it? And number mm -hmm. three, do you have the do you have the wherewithal and the and the the gumption? I'm using old timey words here. Let's see. Do you have the motivation? Uh, uh, you know, are you going to put the time and effort into trying to replicate what you like about it? And right. if you do that, then there's no reason why you can't do it. And the other thing that that kind of heartens me is uh, this was from a couple decades ago, I think, but um, just to date myself. But the uh, I remember reading about letters to the editor. And that uh, at a media organization, if you were, if you write a letter, I mean, these days it would be, you know, emails or tweets or whatever, but right. you can, you know, they sort of presume that if one person is writing, then that probably represents like 17,000 people or something mm -hmm. um, or, or some, some, you know, thousands of people, it's going to represent thousands of people. So you can bet that if you love something, you're not alone. There's other people out there that do. I right. think in, in today's day and age, it's all about, you know, how do you find those people? You know, it, mm -hmm. it, that's the and 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 I wish I knew more about the business side because I haven't quite been able to find everybody out, right. out there, you know, that would would, you know, that loves my music or whatever. But um, right. that's that that's the real trick. But but I I have faith that they're out there. I know they're there. There may be like yeah. one person in every city who's well, going to love what I'm doing. And, and, and same with you, you know. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, I really think like what you're saying, too. I always think about that. Like if it matters to me, it matters to someone else. I mean, you see that just in conversation, like you walk into a coffee shop and you can start talking to a stranger and you have something in common that matters to, you know, when you absolutely speak the truth, like they're like, Oh yeah, me too. Oh God. I was just thinking the same thing or uh -huh. whatever, you know? So that's super, yeah. That resonance is just everywhere. So if you're, if you're willing to act on your truth and speak it, um, you know, it's going to resonate in some way, as long as it's authentic to you, to someone, you know, and we're, 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 we're living in a world right now where the, the market is, is more focused on kind of hyper niche stuff than mm -hmm. it is on, you know, necessarily the the broader uh, appealing things. Even though that right. that market's still there as well. But I mean, right. the point is, is there's there's a lot of different ways to go, and I, I think, yeah, just people shouldn't worry. I mean, yeah, you want to make something that you think is good, um, right. and it, but I think that if you you have faith in your own taste, and if you think that you can satisfy yourself, then I think you can have faith that you're going to satisfy somebody else with what you're producing. So I'm, I'm really, really curious about, um, you, you've, you've gone out and made a business 
about writing songs for for couples uh, mm-hmm. that are uh, getting getting married, and you know it makes a lot of sense. It's something that you know doing custom custom songs. And I know other people do it as well, but uh, but you're the probably the most prominent person that I'm aware of in my you know local scene anyway that's doing it. And I mean, how's that working out for you? And how does that how does that feel? from a creative sense when you're when you're writing a song you write one of your you know your own song Mm -hmm. and then you're writing a song for somebody else i mean is there like a switch that flips in your brain it's sort of like well this is a different type of song than what i normally Mm do um is it or or do they end up being as personal for you as the songs that you write for yourself that's a great question and honestly personally as a songwriter i know this isn't true of everyone but one of my kind of go-to ways of writing a song is to assume someone else's identity essentially Uh, (laughs) like i Uh yeah like um that's not always the case a lot of times i've come up with more confessional sort of things but i really like like i have a song called the architect all about um a daughter of an architect it's from her perspective you know there's truth in every song i'm the daughter of an anesthesiologist, which doesn't sound quite as nice in a song, <laughs> but uh, growing I, up, he, I hear a song there. I could hit anesthesi- hear <laughs> anesthesiologist is kind of a, I mean, it would be fun to rhyme that. That would it, be fun. <laughs> There's a lot of ologists out there that you could yeah. rhyme it with. Um, but um, yeah, so I, you know, my father did work um, a lot when I was growing up in the same way that the, the father and the architect song does. So there's that mutual truth and, resonance there but um i had to do a lot of research on the details of like Mm. you know there are pencil shavings around the studio of an architect i guess and maybe not now maybe it's more digital now but um just like the tiny details and the types of words that are used in that architectural world and things like that and i love doing that sort of thing um my song conductor is that's on the recent um ep called cascades and that was really it was inspired by a couple that I saw on the train and now they're just like a piece of the song. Their story is a piece of the song. And then um, the song ended up really being about train conductors and how it must be kind of heartbreaking to be the one who has to pull lovers apart at the train station and, um, Mm. (laughs) you know, have to always keep the train moving and going and on time and like grinding. And so that's, I love that idea. I love the idea that you've got the conductor and the, the thing that, the thing that sticks in his mind or her mind is that it's break, you know, kind of separating these, these lovers, these romantic partners. That's a great angle to approach that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. It really, I don't know. It's something about it just felt sad. Like they're always departing and leaving, you know, they arrive for a second and then they have to leave and they have to, you know, run this tight ship and really, um, yeah. So that, that was that. And I've written, I, I write a lot of songs from other people's perspectives. Um, and there's so much universal truth in every perspective that I'll tell you, like, I, I actually wrote a song for a dear friend of mine who, um, passed away from brain cancer. And, Mm. um, it was all from her perspective, um, about getting a second opinion from a doctor. And I, anytime I've played it, uh, I've always been super clear um, kind of introducing the song and being like, this is for my friend and this one goes out to you. And, and almost every single time that I play it, someone comes up to me after and is like, 
oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear about your condition. Yeah. Yeah, those lines really blur because there is so much universal truth to to the words and the sentiments and the feelings and the fear and the pain, you know, and or the joy or whatever the, the content of the song is. But um, there's so much universality to that that people often just assume that it's like your perspective, um, unless it's very clear from the lyrics that it's not. Yeah, you almost um, you almost hate to ruin the illusion uh, when they come up and I mean, right. Not really, because you don't want to have brain cancer, but I mean the... Uh, right. Uh, but I mean, because, I, I, you know, certainly dealing with people misinterpreting your songs is a common sure. thing. I mean, yeah. even if you are doing something that's really personal, um, yeah. that's, you know, specific to your to your life. I mean, I... Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll write songs and somebody comes up and they've gotten completely the wrong message from the whole thing. Oh, but completely. that's okay. You know, it's like, I, I feel like I want them to, you know, it spoke to them in some way and I, I hesitate to... Right to necessarily i don't know but that's yeah. that's that's interesting yeah well yeah. what's funny too is i remember when i was sort of embarking on this project of like trying to write from other people's perspectives i originally saw that couple on the train and i was like oh my god i never write love songs like let me write a love song about this couple so i i tried and it turned into conductor which was way more about the conductor than love mm -hmm. um but um but yeah, so I guess that's always been a part of my process is like trying to write the words of others. Um, but with Give Love Originals, it's been much more like I'm being fed lines and details and information. And it's almost like for me, it's like a fun puzzle piece mm -hmm, sort of mm -hmm. situation where I have like this line and these words and I'm I'm trying to use some of the words that they've given me and certainly the stories that they've given me you know, kind of mosaic that in a way that is artful for the couple. So I, I'm not, I don't write a lot of love songs. And so that for me makes it slightly different. Um, and it's, it can be tricky trying to write from two people's perspective and like mm -hmm. include both perspectives in the song. Yeah. And it, it does feel like a slightly separate process from my actual writing process, but it, it's always been a style of writing that I've like leaned towards. So well, I think we've uh, we have a case study here. Uh, we have one of one of your songs from Give Love Originals here, right? This is yeah. how I knew. Why don't uh -huh. we Why don't we take a listen to that, and uh, and then we can sort of get more detailed in how this was this was written. So Amazing. this song is "How I Knew" by Ali Chipkin, and this is from uh, uh, Give Love Originals, her uh, business where she writes songs for people's weddings. Here we go. That I'm in love with your beard. It 
it's just something that you grew but it looks so good on you that's how i knew that's how i knew That song was How I Knew by Allie Chipkin. It was a custom-written song as part of her Give Love Originals company, where she writes songs for uh, couples that are about to get married. And this is an amazingly charming song. It's an amazingly <laughs> charming song. Um, clearly, you, you're, you do a, a fine, fine job uh, with with this whole concept. And, and I, you know, th- there's so many just neat it's just it's just so jam-packed with neat little details mm. and i i'm curious i'm curious um do you feel like you 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 do more detail heavy stuff when you're you know writing these custom songs than than maybe you would do on your own because because i'm thinking i don't you know if i was sitting down and just writing a song you know you try to throw details in but i, I don't know that i would throw this many details in but it's absolutely wonderful the way that it came out so mm-hmm. 
I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. Why don't you talk about how 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 this this came together and and how it differs from how you would you know normally write? Mm-hmm. It's funny as we were listening, I was thinking the same thing. Is that why I love writing these songs? Is because I I am so detail oriented. I love like funny, quirky words, as you mentioned um, lyrically. I love that like kind of twist and quirk and something different and. Um, yeah, I really, I feel like these sort of songs like encourage that because people do really want, I mean, of course I could write them a song of like, just like, I love you and you love me, like whatever, like we could do that sort of thing in general, you know, general details and, um, have like a really, yeah, a nice all encompassing universal love song, but they're are so many of those out there like why not just use ed sheeran's latest song as your as your first dance or for your video or whatever and and what people really um i think are attracted to about working with give love is that they like it's so clear that it's about you it's so unique Mm -hmm. to you it's so um sort of encompasses the details and quirks of your relationship so um i love it for that reason i love that i get to make like use sort of funky rhymes and interesting words that I wouldn't usually put in a song. Um, It does like almost encourage me to do that a little bit more in my songwriting. And Mm -hmm. I think you'll probably see that in some of the, the songs I wrote for this week's prompt. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it makes me kind of, it stretches me to do that. Um, But then I, I try to go in the other direction too, where I'm like, okay, like how can I just say something super simple and like, not have so many details and have it just sort of tap into that universal truth. Um, so, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, songwriter instru- songwriting instructors, I think, mm-hmm. tell you that you want to, you know, put a lot of, you know, specific imagery in there and whatnot. And, right. and I feel like this is kind of really kind of, you know, just demonstrates how effective that kind of micro details uh, detail can be. Because mm-hmm. even though, these details aren't specific to my life. Right. Those kinds of details. It's like I relate to that kind of specificity. You know, right. I can, I mean, there, you know, the beard thing, of course, stands out to me because I got this sure. huge, <laughs> this huge pandemic beard going on right now. Right. But, um, but I mean, you know, the idea that there's a restaurant, you know, I, I've never been to a Bernie's restaurant, but the idea that you go to a restaurant and this is something that you share with the person and right. that you do work through, you know, whatever the menu options or whatnot. I mean, these are these these micro experiences are, are almost more universal because they're they're so micro, Completely. you know, you know, and detailed. I've, yeah, I've gotten that advice. I wish I could remember who has said this to me. I'm sure multiple mentors and teachers have said this, but. I believe the direct quote was like the specific is universal and like, and also show don't tell, like show what's happening and don't tell the listener how to feel or don't explain how you're feeling. Um, I definitely try to write based off that, um, off that tenant also. So, well, this is just a, I think a, a real like textbook example. I mean, I I mean, this, this, (laughs) this just shows off exactly how effective, that kind of detail heavy and image and image heavy uh writing can work and um then that yeah you don't have to connect every dot you know you just just putting it there and letting people kind of connect it on their own so yeah and i think actually to your point of it being kind of textbook actually i think you're so right that like anytime you attend a songwriting workshop typically what they'll tell you is the verses put the details and then 
the universal truth, the general is the chorus. And I, I think I take a book, I, um, I think I take a page out of Mary Gaucher's book here where it's like, how can you make that chorus even more simple? Like just mm-hmm. repeat the same line. That's how I knew. That's how I knew. Ooh, ooh. that's how I knew. That's how I knew. Like that's yep. all it is really. And um, I think there's something there. I'm, I'm constantly trying, especially in my choruses to come back to simpler in the end. How can I make this? How can I cut this down? What can I get rid of? How can I be more? How can I be clearer? Yeah. Well, it's it's a wonderful song. It's a wonderful Thank song. You. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for playing. All right. Um, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, the prompt uh, that Allie chose. And, uh, and we'll reveal the challenge songs. So, uh, yeah, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Raw Songwriting Podcast. I am your host, David Coyle. And I am here with Ali Chipkin, a singer-songwriter and also founder and CEO of Give Love Originals, uh, where she writes custom songs for uh, newly wedded couples or soon-to-be-wedded couples. We're going to get to the crux of the matter here. About a week ago, I gave Ali a selection of, of prompts to choose from. And uh, I'm going to read through those real quick. One that I sent her was a random picture. It was a picture of five colored pencils. And then there's a little dandelion uh, in there. Is that dandelion or is that just, what is that? I believe it's a daisy. A daisy. That's a daisy? Okay. I don't know my flowers, clearly. So, But that's our. that was the random picture this week. Uh, the random word was sericulture, which is the production of silk and the rearing of silkworms for this purpose. The random fact was the closest living relatives of hippopotamuses are whales, dolphins, and porpoises. And then there was a random quote, Be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. So, um, so Allie, which, uh, which prompt did you decide to go with? It was a tough call because dolphins are my favorite animal, Oh, but <laughs> I ended up going with the sericulture, um, the silkworm prompt. Very nice. Okay. And um, now what's interesting, normally, normally we do uh, the, the first half of the show, we, uh, we cover a couple songs uh, by uh, the artist, but, but. This time you actually wrote, uh, you're, you're the most prolific uh, challenge song writer, <laughs> prompt song writer that I've had here. Because you you ended up writing three songs uh, based on, or at least based mm-hmm. on this prompt as a starting point. Do you want to wanna talk about ha- that how that played out? Yeah. Yep, I sure do. <laughs> so you sent me this prompt about a week ago. And I love writing from prompts, especially when they're kind of... Uh, what's the word like innocuous is that the... no that's not the word especially when they're um unassuming random. oh okay random yeah completely random like you you would look at it and be like how the heck am i ever gonna write a song <laughs> based on that uh-huh. i love that sort of prompt um and that's kind of what drew me to sericulture and when i was thinking about the dolphins too i was like you know this quote almost seems like it's from a song so let mm. me go with something that's totally offbeat and something that's going to lead me in a new direction. Um, and 
Yeah, so I started writing the Sarah Culture song. I chose that um, honestly mostly because of the sound of the word silk. I just love that the LK silk, um, mm-hmm. and I I love the sounds of words. I feel like that's what draws me to poetry and and songwriting, and it kind of leads my songwriting. Um, <clears throat> so so I chose the silk prompt, and I started very literally writing a song about silkworms i did a little research and found out that they um when they're reared for the production of silk they are also boiled in their cocoons um yeah they unfortunately if they apparently there there's like peace silk i think that um is apparently a little more animal friendly but um but yeah when uh a silkworm creates its like cocoon out of silk um, or it's not silk yet, but when they create their cocoon and they go inside of that cocoon, um, if they're able to come out of the cocoon, it actually damages the um, material that they would use for the silk. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so they have to, I don't know if they have to, but the, they end up a lot of times boiling um, the caterpillars or the silkworms within their cocoon. So Wow, yeah. This is yeah. okay. Well, this makes the <laughs> this makes the song even more tragic because it sounded. I mean, the way that it's written is, boy. I, did, well, would it be okay if we start with Sarah Culture? I could I could play that now, and then we could. Yeah, I, sure. We've got sure, through, sure. And, and then we can we can tell the next part of the writing story. Sure, is that, perfect. Okay, <laughs> so this is this this is Sarah Culture by Ali Chipkin. You've always had a purpose Even when you couldn't see You were made to make the silk That people wear to parties Now I don't like the process Any more than you but we all do the things we think we have to Ooh, it's so smooth And we couldn't do it without you
That was Sarah Culture by Ali Chipkin, and uh, that <laughs> I I, I that that just packs so much in there. I do um I actually facilitate uh, discussion groups for uh, a, ph- a philosophy nonprofit mm-hmm. uh, outside of <clears throat> all this music stuff and whatnot. And this is wow. this is exactly the kind of I, well, okay, this is kind of an aside, but would you mind if I were to actually borrow this song to play to one of the groups? And because it's it it asks a lot of philosophical questions. Um, yeah, absolutely. you know, because I'd be honored. I mean, the you know the there's a lot of kind of subtle ways that we use the animal kingdom uh, mm-hmm. to create what we do, and I, I know that that that. Uh, I don't think it's just silk, but I think a lot of fabrics and and whatnot um, that that they're they're used uh, to this extent, and it's just. Yeah. Um, but the idea of you know, I think there's the old, you know, one one is like you're kind of using this creature, right? On on the one hand, but at the same time, there's the question of, is there a way to appreciate it? Um, right such that it, it kind of makes up for it in some way. I, you know, they, they always talked about Native Americans using every, every part of an animal that they, that they kill, you know, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't, nothing goes to waste. And yeah. the idea that, you know, maybe you say a prayer or you, or you honor the creature in some way. And, and, and one thing about this song is that I feel like it honors uh, the silkworm, But at the same time, it it, it raises a lot of questions about, you know, is it, is the sacrifice that the silkworm is making, is that, is that, can we justify that by what we get out of it? And, you know, it it raises a lot of philosophical questions. So, (laughs) yeah, it's funny you say that because, yeah, you said like the sacrifice. And that was a a line that I was toying with that didn't make it into the song was um, one of the rhymes with, so smooth smooth and i was gonna in the second time that i said it's so smooth i was gonna say something like even though you don't choose or you don't get to choose but think how much we gain from what you lose you know so it's not really like a conscious sacrifice obviously um and yeah it's i really love kind of encapsulating that conflict of and trying to hold two truths within a song and um and i personally i mean i don't i don't think this is right and i i don't like advocate for this kind of like treatment of animals but i at the same time i think of like my nostalgic comforts like my mother is so um she's so into like comfy things and texture and like comfortable Mm. blankets. And, and that for me has been such a comfort of my upbringing. Um, so that line, it's so smooth. It's just like, Oh, it, it feels so good. It makes so many people feel good. And I don't know. So it is, it's interesting. I still don't think I'm sure there's a better way to do it, (laughs) but yeah, it is an interesting contrast. It, 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 it does. it, It definitely raises a lot of questions and, um, I, but it's a it's a it's a lovely song. It's a beautiful Thank song. Um, and again, just to I mean, considering that you wrote three songs this week, this is an amazingly well constructed song in that that short <laughs> period of time. Um, do, do you want to say anything more about this particular song that you wrote? 
Um, well, just that in response to it being well constructed, I feel like when I'm writing a song, if I, especially if I know it's going to be presented somewhere, so deadlines are really helpful for me, but if uh, I know that it's going to be presented, I, I can be pretty compulsive about like every word okay. must be correct <laughs> <laughs> or every word must fit. Everything must mm. feel at least comfortable. It doesn't have to feel perfect or right, but everything has to, I have to feel at least comfortable with everything and all the words have to fit comfortably in a, in an interesting or, you know, just fit comfortably together. Um, yeah. It, it's interesting because I don't feel the same pressure because um, one of the questions that uh, I, I make a point of asking everybody is, how would you revise this? What would be your strategy? Mm -hmm. uh, but it sounds like a lot of that revision you already went into. But 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 actually, let's just, I mean, we got a couple more songs that we're going to do this with. But I mean, yeah. do you I mean, do you feel like this is pretty complete? And if not, what would you how would you approach it from a revision standpoint? Yeah, I think you're right about the fact that I I do revise compulsively before I share a song. Uh -huh. So there's definitely a lot of revision that goes into it and so many um, lines that have been dropped or changed or altered. Um, but I probably would focus in on the chorus. I think that's where I felt sort of the least satisfied. I love the, ooh, it's so smooth. Um but I wasn't, the lines like, think how much we gain from what you lose and the other one, um, and we couldn't do it without you. I feel like they were, for me, they felt a little bit like cheap rhymes and like this sort of generalizing, like, I don't know exactly what, but they didn't feel like a hundred percent authentic to exactly what I wanted to say. It just felt mm -hmm. like, Oh, this could work and that would fit the song and that feels right. Um, but I would probably do some revising there and I would honestly probably just try to simplify the chorus somehow. And, and even though it is already pretty simple, um, I always just try to take away. <laughs> well, I think the, I think that think how much we gain from what you lose is just a, that's a powerhouse line. I, mm -hmm. I'll just put that out there. I just think Thank that, you. That that particularly really hit me hard oh, thank um, you. in the song. It. Thank you. So, so okay, so this is the song that you started with, correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then, but you took a detour to work on a, a different song, and uh, which which one was that? Yeah, so You're that so one's cool? called "You're So Cool." Okay. And if you can imagine, I was I was writing the Silk song, and uh, I had a combination of the first time it went around the chorus, I would say. So smooth, and then the second time, ooh, you're so cool, and I was like, oh, this just feels like a quirky, like folk love song, and I, I really couldn't get away from using those lines, especially you're so cool. I just liked the way that it sounded with cool, and uh, so I, and the first line um, of the silkworm song started out being. You've always had a purpose, even when you couldn't see. Um, everything you say is like silk, and I'm here talking tweed. And I loved that contrast of silk and tweed. So I was like, okay, this doesn't feel right for the song because, um, and I liked talking tweed, the two T's, and say, say in silk or singing silk. So I was like, this doesn't feel right for the silkworm song because they're mm. not speaking but I want to use this. So I was like, I was really stuck on fitting it in somehow. And then I was like, you know what? 
let me just write a totally different song, get this out of my system, and then I'll come back to the Silkworm song. And then I started um, this other song called You're So Cool. I, I, I love that you you do that. I mean, the idea of, um, I, I guess it's happened. I guess it's happened. But usually if I if I, if I I abandon one song to work on a different song, I don't mm-hmm. know that I go back to the other song. So I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to go back to the other one. And Thank uh, you. But let's let's take a listen to this. This is the second song that you Perfect. started writing. You're so cool by Ali Chipkin. There's so much about you that means so much to me. Even when I sing like silk, you talk to me in tweed. When you fall asleep on your airplane table tray, you wake up and ask me, is it still today? That was You're So Cool by Ali Chipkin. And uh, <laughs> another great song. Um, <laughs> so, and I like, okay, so 
you you've got a lot of details uh mm -hmm. in here but of course these are not ones that you got from interviews uh because right. it's not a custom-made song um mm -hmm. so i i'm kind of interested to when you talk about writing this I, i'm interested to hear how how ad inserting these details may have worked you know or felt differently than inserting the details in the custom-made songs yeah so it kind of felt the same because um they're all imagined details so <laughs> they're very they're not particular to my life it was just like um like well i fall asleep on every airplane table tray that i have <laughs> um so that is i guess true to me but i i don't mm, yeah none of my romantic partners have ever been into sleeping on tray tables but uh or eating yeah. peanut butter without a spoon i mean what the or or was that oh, just so that's because I love peanut butter and I was imagining like if someone I was dating was eating peanut butter out of the jar without me, then I'd be like jokingly like, like, <laughs> are you seriously eating all the peanut butter right now? Dot, dot, dot without me. Like you didn't get me a spoon. Yeah. What's up <laughs> like, with that? Yeah. That's a, <laughs> but just like in a cute teasing way of like, like I just love, that you love peanut butter and like, <laughs> come on, bro, get me a spoon. Like, let's go. Um, so, uh, yeah, they were just kind of random things that I thought up that are, that I would think are quirky and cute and endearing about someone. And this song actually originally, my intention behind it was to write a song about like quirky details of someone that maybe they don't love themselves. And like, it was almost like, um i just can't believe that you don't love you or like mm. how you gonna tell me how you gonna tell me how how you gonna tell me that you don't love you something like that sure, like sure so i was trying to think of kind of offbeat um like colorful details that would wouldn't usually be necessarily seen as endearing but like kind of yeah just well, I'm I'm putting on the, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on the armchair psychologist here because the the two details that we talked about are ones that uh, that you do yourself. You're you're a peanut butter monster, right. and you also sleep on. I mean, so have people told you that when you're smiling, you look like you're about to sneeze? Is that something that you get to? No, actually, it's not. I don't oh, know okay. why I thought of that. That's um, a great one, though. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I was trying to one. think of something smiling or laughing, like something that else that that could look like that's funny i think for me maybe uh, people have told me i raise my eyebrows when i talk and that that's kind of funny and cute and um what else i yeah i don't know i think it's interesting how facial expressions can be interpreted differently and not like necessarily portray the thing that you're trying to oh to portray. so yeah. i've talked about this about performing i don't know uh, i don't think i'm alone in this but um if I'm making a mistake mm -hmm. on stage, I usually smile. Okay. Yeah. I've had people, uh, and I'll have people come, uh, you know, where it's like, maybe I'm trying to get an intense look, but you know, not necessarily a smile. Right. Um, and I'll have people, you know, if I have friends come up or, or fans come up afterward and be like, you looked like you were really enjoying yourself. And I'm yeah. thinking... No, like, no, it was the exact opposite. I was yeah. I was grimacing because I was making so many mistakes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that that's... Yeah, I don't know exactly where that detail came from, but um, but I do think I do. I try to like cross check those little details, not in the wedding songs, mm -hmm. because I I take 
um, what they tell me sure. pretty much at face value. It's like, okay, if you're telling me this, then that's an important detail for you. And that's true for you. Uh, might not feel resonant for me, but I, I'm going to try to write it in your song because it's your song, not mine. Um, although I do own the song still, but, um, but I'm writing it for you. And, but when I'm writing for myself, like this song, I, I try to make it very realistic. So those details, because they apply to me, or if they were like present in some relationship that I had or something, then I can kind of cross check and know like, okay, that's true. That's something that is realistic and would actually maybe happen. Or, um, I'm not just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I always want to, truth is like what I try to come back to with it. Um, whenever I'm writing. So yeah. So knowing that I do those particular things is helpful for me to, um, validate that it's like true and authentic and yeah. viable. <laughs> like if you had written that the, that he was a mayonnaise monster and, uh, uh that's my that, least favorite food, you know, well, I hate mayonnaise. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So if you were to, <laughs> if you were to run it through the, 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 you know, check that one, then you'd be like, no, 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 nobody would love a mayonnaise monster. Right. And when you're trying to right, nobody, nobody would love a mayonnaise monster. <laughs> um, but no, really like, especially it's easy to fall in the trap when you're trying to rhyme of mm. using a word that kind of seems like it works, but it's not, it's just not true. It's not true to what you're trying to say, or it's not, um, yeah. Well, that was a question I was going to have was when you were, I mean, uh, when you were coming up with the the, the details, um, mm -hmm. how much of those have to do with just how they fit rhythmically or or fit a rhyme scheme? I mean, is that or I mean, is it just your you, you do a free form imagination or are you trying to specifically fit it in? Yeah, I think it's a combination. Like um, I liked the idea of someone sleeping on an airplane table tray and I liked that detail and that shows like you're traveling together and um kind of gives an idea about the seriousness of the relationship but also like the goofiness of it you're kind of making fun of them for that um but i liked table tray i thought that would be like easy to rhyme with and that did lead me to try different lines of like you wake and you ask me is it still today like i thought yeah. that was just a funny little cute thing i feel like i've heard someone say that before like wake up from a nap and be like hey, is it still today it's like no it's actually tomorrow um but um yeah i like certain rhymes will lead me but then if i notice that i'm really stuck on the second half of that line then i'm going to try to switch around the first line and maybe come up with a new image or land on a different word so yeah i think it's a combination i do love like um what's the word? Uh, I love cadence of words mm -hmm. and like the rhythmic quality of, of speech and song. So there's definitely part of it that it, like some of the lines do come out of a cadence that I like. And, um, and then some of the second halves of the lines end up coming from rhyme. Well, so, and I'm going to ask you the same question I asked about the last song, but I'm, how finished do you feel like this is and, and what kind of revisions would you do if you feel like it's, it needs to be revised? I think I would just go through and like really take a truth -o meter to the whole thing. And like, <laughs> like you're saying, like, is it, is it serving the song? Is it serving what you're trying to say? Mm -hmm. Are these things you would, that would genuinely come out of your mouth when you picture the person you're talking to? Um, just, does it feel true? Is it true for you? Is it true for me? Um, and that might 
inform some new choices for the verses. Um, once a song feels like complete, I like getting feedback from other people and like, mm. ha- you know, having other eyes on the song. But once I feel like comfortable with where it's at, I, I like moving on to the next thing. And sure. And, yeah. But yeah. I definitely, I, I toil over, like I was saying, the words uh-huh. like through the process. It can, it seems like I'm a very quick songwriter since I wrote three songs this week for the prompt. But uh, I can take months, weeks, oh, hours sure. upon hours, you know, just toiling over like one line or, Absolutely. or, you know, specific verses or whatever. So, well, if you were to play this for other folks, I, do you what what do you find more useful? Uh you know getting input from other songwriters or getting input from just like audience members such a great question i think about this a lot like i because when i get input from other songwriters in like songwriting circles or workshops like it's a very particular type of input you know that it's a songwriter listening you're getting songwriter feedback like very very um detailed listening and very particular it's just like a super close listen even mm-hmm. if they've only heard the song once um which is not how I, people usually listen to a song that's the thing like, it's yeah. like it, as a songwriter i listen to a lot of songs like that but um but yeah i think sometimes they miss like the bigger picture because they're really fixated mm-hmm. on small details whether it's musical or um lyric or melody oriented um they kind of like miss the general impact of the song and the yeah and I'm guilty of this as well when I listen to other people's songs, but, um, or my own, like you miss how it's actually landing and hitting like emotionally and just on a general wave level. Yeah. I so for that reason, I like to get feedback from a variety of types of listeners. Like I Mm -hmm. love hearing from trusted songwriters and I love just like passing it through my mom or my dad who they can just tell me, I really liked that one for some reason, or I don't know, something about the beginning feels weird or something, you know, like they'll just have really general feedback and, and they definitely don't try to like engineer my song or like, um, or, you know, backseat drive or anything like that. They're kind of like, yeah, I don't know. This one just didn't really resonate with me or like, sure. the, the, I don't like how it ended or something like that. And I think that feedback is really valuable as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think the the average person, I, I think I read that the it takes like seven listens before wow. a song even registers with wow. like if you're hearing it on the radio or if you're hearing it on you know yeah. wherever uh, online um, so that you like you may not even for... recognize yeah. it, you know. And right. but when you so when you're actually the the first time you have that eureka moment with a song mm-hmm. um, from random listening, that that may be the seventh time you've heard it. Right. And so I think there's there's a lot to be said for I know when I well, when I'm prepping for this show, I, I what I mm-hmm. what I do is I take the songs and do a little private SoundCloud playlist and okay. I just loop it and I just sort of play it in the background while I'm working on stuff. And mm. then and then things will kind of organically pop out without me having to hyper analyzing right. analyze it. And then I, you know, as I get a little closer to the show, I'll, I'll try to try to do it a little bit more. But, right. but it, it's interesting to to do that. I know, for instance, Peanut Butter Monster definitely jumped out uh, from this, even when I wasn't listening that closely. I was like, oh, Peanut Butter Monster. Mm. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, Not something you hear every day. <laughs> 
Well, this is this is a, another another great song, and um, uh, so but yet you were not finished. This was this <laughs> I was, was not, not satisfied. <laughs> so so what prompted you to write a third song? Oh my gosh, David! I I <laughs> it's so funny. There were lines that I loved in each song, and I finished both of them first. Okay, so I'm sitting here with two songs. And I'm trying to make you a nice recording of each song. And you'll notice the music of both Sarah Culture and You're So Cool is identical pretty much. In Sarah mm-hmm. Culture, I finger pick a little bit um, and then I strum on the choruses. But on You're So Cool, it's the exact same chords, exact same duration of, of each chord, but I'm just strumming everything. I, I've been taking a lot of guitar lessons lately. I have two amazing guitar teachers. Um, reach out to me if you need a virtual teacher. They're amazing. I've been working a lot on my guitar skills and there are just certain bar chords still that I, I just can't get them under my fingers. I don't know. I mm. can't make it work. And it it they work when I'm writing, like with the slow process of like changing from one chord to another or, um, you know, where I'm not like in time necessarily. Yeah. And then after, you know, six hours of writing and playing the same chords over and over again, my hand just like gets tired. And especially in the, um, the changes from chord to chord, it can be really like your muscles almost spasm or something. Like they're just, Mm. it's really hard to get to that next chord cleanly. Sure. And if you couldn't tell already, I'm a bit of a perfectionist in certain ways. So (laughs) I'm playing the, the, these songs I'm trying to decide, I'm like, okay, I'll send both of them. Right. But as I play each one, I probably had like 50 takes of each song in my just in my voice memo recordings where I was like starting it. And then Uh within like the third chord, I was like, oh, God, like I messed it up already or it just didn't sound clean guitar wise. So I'm like, I I was so frustrated. My hand was so tired. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I can do this. I literally don't think I can do this. I was so frustrated. And I was like, I a like. I'm so frustrated that I want to write this feeling into a song right now. Like I need to just Mm -hmm. sit down and like put this feeling down and be like, I need to write an easier song because (laughs) this is too hard on my hands and I'm not going to be able to like do this um, up to the standard that I want to for David's podcast. So I was like, (laughs) I need to write a quick, easy song with just how I'm feeling right now. So I sat down and I wrote, um, they're jazzy chords, but it's, but they're not bar chords. And I think they're like minor seventh chords, but, um, yeah, I was just like, forget it. I can't, I I can't do these bar chords anymore. So I just did a song about how I was frustrated and, uh, and it starts off with, I don't think I can do the thing you want me to do. (laughs) Well, I think, uh, let's hear this one. Let's hear this one. Yeah. This is, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, uh, this is well, but but it is literally at least yeah, part right, of it, right. you know. So, um, but this is let, let's let's hear what this is. This is OU by Ali Chipkin. So here we go. Be 
Cause I'm not sure I ever heard mine I don't owe you And you don't owe me Oh, I don't owe you What don't you see? That was OU by Allie Chipkin. And uh, I, I like the line, I don't think I can be what you're expecting of me. Sometimes I don't want to be clever, cool, or anybody. And I'm just thinking, well, it's true. You weren't what I was expecting you to be. But, you know, you've been a heck of a lot more. <laughs> and and you've been clever, cool, and, and definitely somebody all along the way. Um, <laughs> Thank but, you. <laughs> but this is a, another really cool song. And I, I like just the that raw emotion that is captured mm. in this song, that it does feel like a, a song of frustration and it feels very, very genuine. Um, yeah. And just a side note, I love the, the guitar percussion, the way that you use the uh, guitar's percussion oh, as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. I was just going to say it's very, um, this one is obviously very different, like style wise. And I love experimenting in different styles, which is really why I've, I like wanted to get better at guitar. So I could, play you know different kinds of styles and more colorful chords um but what was i gonna say um oh yeah just in terms like lyrically it's so different too yeah um it's it is more of that just confessional raw just like this is why i'm frustrated and this is what i need to tell you and like this is how i feel and i've written a lot of songs like that just like I wrote a song called don't talk to me that way and it's literally just don't talk to me that way do not talk to me that way and it's like and then there are some details here and there but it's a lot of just like this is how i felt in that moment and it's kind of yeah. like a yeah so uh well, I, I like a lot of those there's yeah, there's sorry, room yeah. for both kinds of songs right i mean mm -hmm. that's you know the mm -hmm. the hyper detailed stuff and also the ones that are just yeah straightforward confessional yeah. I, absolutely i think there's plenty of room for for both those kinds of songs totally, totally so where how do you feel about this song where do you do you think it's do you think it's close to finish do you think it's uh something that you'd want to build on what, what do you how do you feel about this yeah song? i think um actually i want to just say about the other two i considered adding a bridge to those other ones oh okay this one i don't think i would do that for um I also hate bridges in general, so I tend to, when in <laughs> sure. doubt, leave them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, in terms of this song, I, I think I would just want like a fat bass line and like some <laughs> cool drums and like a kind of mm -hmm. band behind, like a groove, really. Yeah. Um, and I, I might work on the lyrics of the the final verse. Um, that kind of didn't feel totally right to me, and I may think about adding one more verse after that mm -hmm. um two verses before the second chorus but um in general i just i like that it's like rhythm driven i like that it's like got some soul and it's just like it yeah. feels really true to me so i i wouldn't change much honestly yeah yeah this one this one definitely feels 
it just hits it hits the spot it feels mm. like to me so so thank you another Thanks. another killer song this is this is great i mean three uh, this is well we'll see this is i'm going to set this okay all of you uh future guests for the raw songwriting podcast oh God, ali is has set the bar <laughs> she has set the bar high so, no pressure i just did it because it was true to me man i was just like i i'm so frustrated and i yeah and the other the other song was just like i i need to get this other one out so i can finish the sarah culture song and here we are three songs later so sweet sweet <laughs> wow fantastic and and just a, a fantastic insight into the way your your creative mind works so well, so thank thanks. you so much yeah it's such a pleasure sharing. yeah well all right well let's uh so i wrote a song too and my my uh um i'm actually by the end of this week, I'll have written three songs too, but they're all for different things. Because uh, I had a late uh, podcast uh, about a week, a little less than a week ago, that got rescheduled. So I had to, and I was running late on that song. And then I've got another interview on Saturday uh, that that also was a reschedule. Anyway, I've had a lot of rescheduled uh, um interviews so um and then i i had a show last night and that this is the thing so like this has been a busy week. oh and i had to get my car towed whatever there's a lot of stupid <laughs> details um but the uh but i didn't end up writing this 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 song here uh my contribution to the uh this week's prompt um until after 10 o'clock last night i i really had barely even thought about it um i think earlier in the day i'd come up with you know, it's like silky smooth, you know, that's like kind of where your brain goes when you're thinking of silk. So uh, my contribution to the prompt, Sarah Culture, is uh, a song called Blue Jean Bruiser by yours truly. Here we go. Sarah Culture is so silky smooth She'll weave a pattern as she walks the room But then when she stops She doesn't smile at you She asked, what do you think? Do you enjoy the view? This installation is a work of art What to say, I don't know where to start But I like this spot this little splash of blue When I look in your eyes It sure reminds me of you A bowl of pretzels And a glass of wine I know which masterpiece I wish were mine But I'm a blue That you'll ever see the kind of craftsmanship goes into me. She rolls her eyes and then she walks away. Yeah. Enjoy the show, and that's all she says. And then left me leaning up against the bar. I won't get here for another hour 
So I have a bowl of pretzels and a glass of wine. I know which masterpiece I wish were mine. But I'm a blue jean bruiser and I shouldn't be here. My mouth is full of cotton and my pockets are bare. I don't quite imagine that you'll ever see the kind of craftsmanship that goes into me. Get the text that Jenny waits outside. She shakes her head and says, you poor guy, but look here, babe, it was an honest mistake. You said Lake Street Pub, and this is the pub by the lake. Right, that was Blue Jean Bruiser by yours truly. It was my contribution to the uh, prompt uh, this week, uh, the challenge song this week, which was uh, based on the prompt Sarah Culture. And uh, yeah, I think uh, in my case, when I when I'm writing these, uh, they're they're pretty much just first drafts, and I see them as first drafts. And uh, um, and and apparently, I'm not too embarrassed by him because I do this show every, well, roughly every <laughs> week. Um, but uh, I, I'm just curious, uh, before I talk about it too much, I, I'm, I want to get an idea of what do you think is happening in this song? Yes, I love this song. I really, oh. you were like, this is such a draft. I, I just finished it and you sent it over to me. And I, this is my first time looking at the lyrics visually while I listened. Mm -hmm. um, so my perception of what's happening and then i have some comments too like sure i love but um my perception of what's happening i didn't understand at first because sarah culture now i'm seeing the lyrics is is the woman's name which i immediately thought sarah culture is so silky smooth like sarah culture um mm. you know the, the word prompt. we read our prompt yeah right exactly so um yeah so now i'm seeing sarah is smooth sexy sarah who's walking around this bar and kind of teasing or asking oh are you enjoying the view like this and that um and then the the speaker of the song answering like oh this yeah this artwork is really nice or maybe flirting back like you as the installation of artwork is is really nice um and then kind of the speaker reflecting on their own uh less silky craftsmanship like the the blue jeans and the they're just like rougher but there's like still a craftsmanship that goes into that um and then she kind of rolls her eyes at that and is is uh she's more into the silk side of craftsmanship i suppose and then i guess jenny shows up too jenny might be i don't know girlfriend wife something and <laughs> um and i love the line about you said lake street pub and that's this is the pub by the lake um but uh i guess she's picking him up from the bar and i, I don't really know exactly what happens but that that's my perception okay. okay that's that's yeah well that's i think it's i'm not really sure what's happening here either i you know cool. this was very much a kind of a stream of consciousness kind of song cool and and i kind of get the same you know 
at, 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 the idea I would think originally was that he's he's there at this show and he is trying to flirt and he just crashes badly that the person doesn't appreciate how he's trying to flirt. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and but but then the idea kind of came that's like, well, this person's not even this is an art. This is an art opening. Or, you know, it's like and so, you know, there's always, you know, free drinks at art openings and snacks right. and whatnot. And right. so this person just happens to somehow ended up in the wrong place. Okay. And is oh. just kind of hanging out until they can get a ride back to where they're supposed to be. That that's how I that was the Got I mean, it. and this kind of came out as I was writing it. Um, oh, that makes sense now. I love that. That's so cool. And so the I I wasn't sure if yeah was Ginny's girlfriend or maybe a sister I I don't know or just a friend. Um, yeah. But somebody that was coming by and there was some sort of miscommunication. And I think there are ways to 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 shore it up, but I um, yeah. And I've been thinking about it. Uh, you know, if I had spent the whole week on this, then I, I it would have been a lot more clear, I think. But but that's that's kind of his. It's like this person's in the wrong place, right. and is trying to make the best of it. So they're they're taking advantage of the snacks, the the drinks, and and maybe trying to flirt a little bit while there. Right. And um, yeah. So that, that that so that so it is kind of yeah. It is pretty much what you were you were getting at it's just i think it needs to be a little bit more more clear but but you yeah. said you had some other comments what were your other thoughts on I, yeah i was just gonna say there i mean upon my first listen i listened this morning for the first time and upon my first listen there were so many lines that like really hit me i was like you wrote this just last night like i oh, yeah. in particular i know which masterpiece i wish were mine i expected you to say it I knew the mine and wine rhyme was coming. Uh -huh. I know which masterpiece I thought you were going to say were mine or like, I know which masterpiece is mine or something like that. Uh -huh. But that, that extra like color of that I wish were mine. Like it, I don't know. Something about that really hit me. Um, cool. And I'm trying to just look back through. Yeah. I had no idea that Sarah culture was a woman, uh, like a woman's name until I read that. Um, but I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, I just, I really like how like the verses and when Sarah's speaking, it's like these smooth words and weaving a pattern as she walks through the room. And, and then in your verses, it's like these crunchy pretzels with probably salt <laughs> on them and like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, blue jeans and, um, pockets and things like that, that are just like generally rougher and less elegant. I think that's really cool. Well, let's see here. I should. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give myself a critique here. Well, the biggest thing that stands out to me on this is that I'm. Uh, the point of view in the song is all over the place. You know, is it is it first person or or is it uh, third person? And because uh, it starts off with, uh, like she doesn't she doesn't smile at you, but then later it's referring to I know which masterpiece I wish were mine. You know, and then there's Jenny in there as well. And it's sort of like, well, what are the, you know, who are the people involved here? And I, I'm thinking of kind of trying to figure out, you know, because like the masterpiece could actually be, it doesn't have to be this woman that he's flirting with. It actually could be Jenny, but yeah. it could be, but it, masterpiece could be the, could be the, the, the kind of the, the rougher blue jean culture or whatever, you know, something that, I mean, I could refer to something that this person is, you know, built with their hands, you know, some sort of crafts, craftsman right. thing. Um, totally. I have this one in here, this, my mouth is full of cotton. And I, the, I, I put that in there cause I wanted to like, I was thinking cotton mouthed, which, mm. 
well, it's a snake, but it's also like, um, I was thinking of like Brando and the Godfather and he stuffed a bunch of cotton in his cheeks to, mm. to make him sound a little bit more garbled. And oh. so that's what I was thinking of with that. But I don't know that that really has the effect that I'm hoping, but I wanted to make that cotton mm. versus silk kind right. of contrast. Mm-hmm. I don't know that enjoy the show line. I It's like she rolls her eyes and she walks away, enjoy the show. And that's all she sa- she says, I think is how I sung it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure that that's clear that that's the that's a quote. I don't know if that if it listens like a quote or if the quotes are only apparent if you read the lyrics. And mm. I don't know. I mean, how do you when you have people talking in a song, but it's all being sung by one person? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, how do you make it clear mm-hmm. that this is a quote by one character versus a different character? Yeah. So when I did a like a song study of Joni Mitchell, she does this all the time in dialogue and mm-hmm her approach is just he said blah 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 and i Mm. said and she said and then we said okay (laughs) um so i've adopted that and insert and you did that as well like she asks this um some of these quotes didn't come through to me like oh what to say i don't know where to start but i like this spot i like this splash of blue i mean i was just seeing that as direct like the lyrics themselves were being spoken to the to the woman in the um you know, at this pub. Um, that was the intention for that, that particular oh, course. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. So that's yeah, good. So, it comes off that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I don't really know another way besides saying like, she said this or such and such. He said, blah, blah, blah. You know? Oh, it occurs to me. You know what? If I said she rolls her eyes and then she says, enjoy the show and walks away or something like that, that would make more logical sense. Anyway, yeah. just making a mental note there. No, totally. So. <laughs> you know what? Also, is I wonder, are, are you open to like um, some feedback or something? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Bring it on. Cool. I wonder if like, um, if the mouth is full of cotton line, because I see what you're trying to get out there. And I think yeah. like, it's, that's like an attempted metaphor. Whereas I think sometimes with that show, don't tell sort of thing, like maybe instead of like trying to make a metaphor and make it like poetic, like just literally talking about like, you know, there's holes in my shirt or some, something that paints the picture of it instead yeah. of like, that's something that I've been trying to um, do more is really like show visually what's happening as if I'm watching a movie instead of like trying to um, trying to like add more metaphors. But I mean, there's a, there's always a place for metaphors too, but sure, um, sure. that could be an option. Yeah. I tend to, I do tend to be metaphor heavy, but this is a, this isn't, this is a particular uh, lyric that that I think would benefit from from detail. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Totally, I love yeah. this though. I think it's so great. It's really oh, thank cool. you, thank you. Yeah. I think the I like the um, well, <laughs> the melody. I think is kind of cool, but at the same time, I feel like I've I, it. There's so many parts of it that remind me of other songs. I mean, songs that, that have heard. that I've no, not that I've written that I've heard. Like like the the very opening line is is kind of like. Um, the opening, I mean, just the first first several syllables is kind of like uh, um, Bob Dylan's uh, "Simple Twist of Fate." This reminded They're, me a lot of Dylan. For yeah, sure. and then I, you know, though, I just feel like it's so. I feel like that every time I write a song, I'm like, "Oh, whose song did I steal now that I'm unconscious of?" Like, I feel like you're always like borrowing pieces and bits, and it's so impossible to to not, you know. Well, that that's a big question. Is like, you know, how much is actually? Because I mean, 
you know, if you feel like you've you've stolen from five songs, well, then you kind of have your own song, right? I right, mean, you right. know, there there is a point at which, you know, if you're mixing and matching enough things, then it, it, it's a different thing. Right. And, and this one, there's there's points where there's a Cat Stevens song that, you know, with the last line of uh, the craftsmanship that goes into me that and that just melodically is what I'm thinking. Um, and then there's a little bit of Pink Floyd kind of chords in there. Mm-hmm. And um but I, I think it comes off as its own thing. So, you know, I mean, I, the subject matter is completely different. And and even when I do have something that's sort of like somebody else's melody, it's really a very short snippet. And then it goes in a different direction. So, right. but I don't know. I think of like that first line there and I think of Simple Twist of Fate. And that's like such a, I remember that song in particular just caught me immediately on the first couple lines. And mm-hmm. it was because of the groove of the chords he was playing. So, so anyway, but those are things that could be easily tweaked, I think. Um, totally. But yeah, that it's always just a question. You know, it's like, like you're saying, it's like. Just like awareness and yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. totally. So, so this one, I really like this too. Um, I, I feel like it's very, very rough and I, I, I definitely want to uh, uh, take a fine-tooth comb with it and and, and mm-hmm. sort of clarify, at least to myself, what's going on. You know, you don't always have to make it clear to the listener, I don't think. Right. But totally. I think that the listener can tell if, if you, you know, you want the listener, if even if they don't know exactly what's going on, you right. want them to feel like there is something that's going on. Going on, right, and, totally. And so they're sort of like, oh, well, there's some mystery to it, but it, it's yeah. still something. Completely. Well, David, I just want to say I commend you for, like, for sharing something that feels unfinished. That's so hard for me, and I, I'm trying to get better at it. I feel like it's a, it's a cool way to, like, share your authentic voice and like your vulnerabilities with an audience and have people like connect with you, whether it's on social media or wherever, but like sharing something that, that you don't feel like is finished is like, that's super awesome. And uh, it reminds me of, I think it's Elizabeth Gilbert that always says this quote, but it might be someone else's originally Mm -hmm. that done is better than good. And just finishing it and sharing it, you can always go back and revise and, and, watch it evolve but um sometimes we're just paralyzed by that perfectionism and need for it to be perfect before sharing oh absolutely though it's interesting that you're not paralyzed by that you actually do manage to get your stuff done uh even with the perfectionism intact i i kind of gave up on um i mean i used to be somebody that spent weeks and months and whatnot uh doing it and then i did this out of just kind of frustration of only getting a few songs written every year, mm-hmm. I did a. I committed to writing a song a day for a month. Um, oh wow! And I've I've done that like four, close to four years in a row, and uh, it's not every one of the songs is a masterpiece by any means, but a lot yeah. of them. But there's always a couple in there that are, that are pretty much done and finished and really good, and yeah. then other ones that just need to be tweaked. Um, and and the, this is the this is the kicker. I'm so used to being this kind of airing my my laundry publicly because I always would post it on social media, and right. it was actually a great way to kind of get community feedback and and That's get so that cool. you know we were talking about fan you know response versus kind of other songwriters, and yeah. you know you you get that sometimes you'll write something and you absolutely hate it. And you'll put right. it out there because you're obligated to, because you committed to doing that. And right. it, that happens to be the one that somebody really, really loves. And yeah. it just changes your point of view on the whole thing. And Completely. Yeah. Dude, I have two questions for you. Yeah. So 
first question is simple and straightforward. How long, like when, how old were you when you started writing songs? Well, you mean just, just dabbling or you mean actually like seriously doing it? Like more seriously, like keeping track of your songs and, and playing them for people and sharing them. Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, I've always kind of sung in the shower and, and dabbled cool. with, you know, putting songs together, but it, it, in college, uh, I had a, a a friend, you know, some friends of mine. We got together to do some. Uh, we were broke, and okay. so we we went to put, we put together some a cappella Christmas tunes. Oh, cool! And one of the fellas that it turned out that he had a bunch of kind of backlog of songs that he had written, mm -hmm. and I had some stuff that I had just sort of dabbled with. I never intended to play it or sing it or show it to anybody, but right. we but we both just decided together because uh, we had actually we did end up writing a Christmas song while we oh, were doing cool. this process, okay. and. Uh, and then we were like, well, let's get together and write some songs together. So that was probably, that was back, uh, probably actually right after college, right immediately okay. after college, which would have been the, uh, the mid nineties. Okay, cool. So, so yeah. My follow-up question is, and you said you've written a song a day for like four months, uh, you know, four separate months at a time. And then you've been uh -huh. writing songs all this time. Like, it sounds like you probably have a pretty large catalog and I'm so curious, like, how do you keep track of that or what do oh, you how do you organize it all well let me re let me revise this by saying i did sort of start taking it more seriously but then i i didn't take it really really seriously until i had my midlife crisis which was about uh eight years i guess eight and a half years ago at this point okay. so but i've been really seriously yeah. doing it eight, uh, since then though okay. i was writing fairly steady there uh, how do I keep track of it? You know, hey, yeah. we got these wonderful things called computers. No and... way. Where'd you get one of those? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a hand-me-down. Uh, but this is, <laughs> I got an old, I got an old Mac 2 from 1987. Oh, um, no, uh, this, no, actually, um, you know, I've got, I actually have these, I have this, these binders. I have them separated by, I have binders of pure originals. Okay. And then I have... One way that I get through the song a day stuff uh, in uh, those, it's, I do it in January. Is I do a lot of co-writes too, oh, and cool. and so like about a third of them in the last several years have been co-writes, and okay. then I do my Halloween songs, which are usually okay. co-writes. But right. I, yeah, so I have a binder of co-writes, a binder of originals, and then a binder of cover songs that I can do, and oh, that's amazing. that's and then I have a database actually if I'm making playlists. So, okay. Yeah. So do you like? I'm always. I don't know, even with the amount of songs that I've written, I'm like, how do I remember what the chords were if they're like funky? Do you ever like take videos or like have folders on your computer of like videos and lyrics and things like that for each song? Or you just make a recording and call it good? No, I, um, well, this last year has been kind of a struggle, but my, my usual goal is to play, um, all the new songs at least once in a show during the okay. year. Cool. Um, which means, and if I'm going to play it in the show, I need to chart it. So, cause, uh, okay. yeah, so I'll, I will make a point of charting it. Uh, however, sometimes it takes months before I chart it and that would be, yeah, I do do a video, uh, okay. and I learned this the first year I did the song a day thing is that you need to take a video with where you can see your, your hand on the neck hand, <laughs> of the guitar right. so you can see what your finger positions are. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I've written many a song trying to remember how that other song I wrote went. <laughs> Because I couldn't figure it out. And then I'm like, yep. oh, this chord is cool. So <laughs> I well, know so, that feeling. Well, now, I mean, you must be, because you got commissioned songs. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you must be, 
you must have a lot of well first off you said you mentioned that you own those songs you still own them uh, but do, you yeah. even though they've been customized for other folks mm -hmm. so what percentage of the songs that you write as custom jobs uh how, what percentage did you play the, of those live in a regular show yeah um it's been zero percent during the pandemic obviously well, um yeah. and then <laughs> i actually started the business um the year before that so or really got it up and running that that year before um so i want to say let's see i mean not all that many maybe like 20 percent, something like that um mm. a lot of times it has ended up that I play it live because I'm attending the wedding as a friend or, and it's like a gift that I'm giving or sure. that someone else has given, or, you know, friends have hired me to, to write their wedding song. Um, but I'm at the wedding anyway. So it's like, all right, I'll play it. Um, but, uh, but I generally really like the recordings and I, I, as a base product, I require that everyone who works with me takes a recording out of it because I just think it's a really nice keepsake to have down the line to remember your wedding day. You can put it in your wedding video. Um, if I don't happen to be a close friend and I'm not attending the wedding, then there definitely is an upcharge for me to go and play it live. So you can, you can have that recording and use it for your first dance or walking down the aisle or something like that. So um, I think there's a lot of utility to having the recording and um, yeah, but it, it's fun to play live as well. Well, since we're we're on the topic here again, I, one thing I wanted to ask, just for because like, there's, you know, mostly songwriters listen to this program, yeah, and you know, some of them are probably wondering, well, you know, what if they're interested in starting something along the same lines of what you're doing, which is doing custom songs mm -hmm. uh, for people, maybe on maybe a different type of event, maybe they do it for holidays, or maybe they sure, do it yeah. for this, that, or the other thing, but sure. but what are what are kind of the the pros and cons, the ins and outs, what what kind of recommendations and and suggestions would you give them? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great way. It's almost like a prompt. It's a great way to like get inspired um, and to have like content given to you literally. Um, so that, that part of it is really nice. Um, like I said, it can be really challenging if you're writing for couples to fit both couples perspective into there. And there's also a sacrifice that comes along with it. Like, yes, it's your song, but it's a song in service of the people who are paying you for it. Mm -hmm. So you really do want to remember to serve those clients and not be too attached to what you think sounds good. Like I've had clients before say, Hey, it's so important to me to fit this exact line in here somehow. And I'm like, I would never put that in a song, but <laughs> sure. you want it. And that's, and it's going to make you, yeah, it's going to help you feel connected and like it's going to help express your love on your wedding day. And that feels true for you. So like my name's going to be on it, but that's one sacrifice that I make for that process is that, um, yeah, it's always in service of like what, what best serves the song? Not, not like, Oh, what am I most proud to put, um, my name on and like have represent me. Mm -hmm. I, there's certainly an element of that, but, um, but it, it's a balance between, you know, serving the client and also like creating something that feels true for me. So those are, those are like two main things or a few main things. And I would also say, yeah, just do it. Just like get started and do it for friends and do it. You know, that's kind of how I got started is I didn't have, um, 
a wedding gift for my friends. So I wrote a wedding song for my friends and people liked it and they started asking where they could get their wedding song or, you know, a wedding song as a gift. And, um, and I'm hoping honestly to scale give love originals at some point and, and hire other songwriters too. Mm. Um, once it becomes like, you know, a well-oiled machine and not machine machines, (laughs) not the best (laughs) word for an artistic project, but you know what I mean? Like once it becomes like really, um, yeah, once it has the capacity to scale a little bit more, like I would Mm -hmm. love to be serving more clients. And I, I would also just love to like, um, you know, hire my friends who are really talented songwriters and help them make money through songwriting. So, um, if I can get to that point where I am, too full with clients. I would love to be hiring other songwriters. Um, and pretty soon I have an intern right now, which is really exciting. And oh, she's nice. doing a lot of like marketing stuff with me. Um, but we're also working on some like kind of A and R stuff. And I think, um, eventually we're going to put up like a little submission thing on the website where songwriters can submit and, um, hopefully start working with give love original soon. So very cool. And so if uh, folks want to uh, find out more, they can go to giveloveoriginals.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. All right. And then there's also alichipkin.com if uh-huh. you want to explore more of your solo uh, work. Yep. Is there anything else, anything you'd like to promote or plug right now that any exciting events or projects coming up? I don't know. I'm just hoping to to get together a bunch of nice demos. I'm doing some like home recording. So I'm, I'm hoping to kind of catalog all of my work, at least into demo form, um, and hopefully start sharing that a little bit more. I'm I'm starting to share more on my Instagram, which is at Allie Chip, A-L-L-I-E-C-H-I-P. Um, and then I have an Instagram for Give Love Originals, at Give Love Originals. Um, and yeah, those are probably like the main places I tend to hang out on the internet. Um, but yeah, feel free to, to shoot me a message and say hello. And I, I love just like, hearing people's love stories or, or chatting about songwriting. So any, you know, I, I'm always really happy to connect. So. Well, excellent. Well, well, Allie, thank you so much. This has been a really great interview. Uh, just learned so much uh, from you and. Uh, oh, thanks. Um, it's super mutual. Thank yeah. you. Well, let's see next week's guest. I'm actually, I'm still not sure exactly. I've got some scheduling snafus going on here, so I'm not sure exactly who's going to be the next guest, but I guarantee it's going to be somebody really cool. Uh, I'll be posting the prompt sometime this weekend on Dave Coyle's musical extravaganza on Facebook. And I encourage you to play along, you know, pick a prompt, write a song, and then uh, post it as a comment for an episode. Or you can tweet me at David L. Coyle. If you have any questions for me or about any of my guests, you can email me at rawsongwriting at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider contributing to the program via Venmo at Dave Coyle or paypal.me slash Dave Coyle. We're actually going to uh, do a, a little something different here. Allie just had a wealth of material this week, and uh, <laughs> one song, uh, we've got a song, Seattle, here by you that we're going to use to play out uh, uh, the, the show. So do you want to say anything about this before we start playing it? I think this one just speaks to one other way that I love to write, which is just, I was just walking around Seattle and singing about it and singing Seattle, Seattle, you don't rain as much as they say, because it was the summer and it was really nice weather. And I was just had that stuck in my head. A lot of times it comes to me on runs or um, if I'm exploring a new city and that that's how this one came about. So um, just started with me and the voice and yeah i love it for that all right we're gonna listen to ali chipkin seattle on the way out 
In the meantime, uh, keep your songwriting raw and riveting. Surprise Walking down the street You see something other than downcast eyes Faces share their names And say isn't it nice outside Little neighborhood You're the mocha on my nose The colors down the rows are the fruit stands Mountains with snow on their head I got a comfortable bed How am I ever, ever 